I had this group that was doing what we normally had done. And with the same content, I was still presenting those materials inside of an immersive world inside of Minecraft. You have a three-dimensional builder and your imagination is the only limit. Welcome to the Minecraft Education Edition podcast. I'm Mike Washburn. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Participate, where the world learns together. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Minecraft is a powerful tool for learning, and language learning is where that power really shines. We're going to talk about how Minecraft can be used to help you deliver amazing language learning lessons. Let's get started. In my opinion, there's no better way to tell a story than in a game. Games are immersive and interactive. They give the participants agency in the outcome, and they can be designed to have any range of possible endings depending on your choice. They also have all the same narrative and dialogue possibilities as any written format. That's why Minecraft is such a powerful tool for language learning. You can build a world, craft a story, and then live in that world while you learn. We're not just talking about English either. We'll talk to Glenn Irvin this week about how he used Minecraft in his Spanish language classes to provide that same deep, meaningful experience. When we come back, our conversation with Glenn Irvin. Our guest is an instructional coach in Sauk Rapids, Minnesota. He's a former Spanish teacher and the co-host of the popular education podcast on education. Welcome to the podcast, Glenn Irvin. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Um, always wanted to be talking about game-based learning, but specifically about Minecraft. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Excellent. Happy to have you. So let's talk about your background. Uh, were you always interested in games-based learning and using video games in the classroom? So I've taught in a lot of different places, a lot of different states. Uh, early in my career, started off teaching in California in Southern California for a few years, moved back to Colorado where I actually went uh, to college and taught in a few different schools there. And then we ended up in Wabasha, Minnesota, which is in southeastern Minnesota in a little town on the Mississippi River. And I was doing great teaching Spanish all of these years. And, you know, I'm 22 years into my career now. Um, when I was in Wabasha, I it wasn't that I was interested in game-based learning specifically because I didn't even know what that was, to be honest with you. I was interested in making sure that I did whatever I could do to be able to engage my students in the Spanish language, to have them participate in class every single day, to have them want to have the desire to, to come to school, to come to my class specifically. So that was my goal. And game-based learning ended up just falling in my lap, I think just basically by accident. And um, it fit perfectly with my own personality. Of course, I've always played video games. I've, I'm a video game fanatic. And it seemed to combine both of those worlds, which is a narrative that I've heard now that I know what it actually is. You know, mm -hmm. that I've heard that, oh, yeah, this is common among many of us, <laughs> that we are passionate about games and then... We use that passion to be able to combine it with specifically education and learning and and then do something awesome with it. 
And and so you're you're teaching Spanish, and finally, uh, I guess you realize. At what point did you realize you needed to turn to something else to bring your Spanish lessons to another level? And it seems like Minecraft came at like just the right time for you. Absolutely, it came at the exact right time, and actually, a lot of a lot of events came at a perfect time in my career. I it probably was about eleven or twelve years into my career. And it wasn't that I was that I wasn't a good Spanish teacher because I I believe that I was, but I knew and I realized upon reflection each year that I was not able to reach some students, and that's usually what mm-hmm. I tell people is like there are some students that were just disengaged by the time that they reached my classroom. So I, I taught students that were already fifteen or sixteen years old. You know, they were freshmen or sophomores in high school. And they had gone through this process of schooling. And by the time that they got to my class, they were already burned out of school and they were ready to, to be done. And the experiences that they, they had had up to that point were so negative and, and just not anything that really inspired them that I didn't, I couldn't reach them. You know, I, I do all kinds of stuff as far as in my classroom, you know, sing songs and do all kinds of dynamic activities, but I could still see that at the end of each year, I was missing out on some students and they were not only failing the Spanish class, but they were just not there. I could tell like they were just, they were somewhere else and they didn't want to actually be there. But I did make sure that I had conversation with these students and many of them had something in common with each other. And that was that they loved video games. Um, and I love video games. So we had this connection. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that, that's great. But that didn't have anything to do with my Spanish classroom. So I knew that there could be a connection there. But again, I, I wasn't up to, you know, I wasn't on social media as far as you know, Twitter or whatever might be. I don't even know if it even existed back then. I know that people were doing things, but I didn't, you know, reach out and do any of those things. So I knew I needed to do something different, but I didn't know that, specifically game-based learning was going to be that that thing that then sparked right. something new as far as new passion as far as in my classroom. Um, but I think a lot of teachers feel that as they go through their career, they understand that they're missing these students and you can either ignore that or you can get really passionate about trying to make sure that you do something to be able to connect with those students and really just engage them in it in the conversations, in the class, and the dynamics that happen. And it's not about the grades. It's more about making sure that you made that connection and then that they, later years, they're like, yeah, I remember Mr. Irvin, you know, Senor Irvin in this case. <laughs> right. And so you connect with your students over a love of video games. You have a love of video games yourself. Uh, it sounds a lot like myself as well. And so you turned to Minecraft, and and I'm curious about why you turned to Minecraft specifically. Uh, there are a lot of games, obviously, literally hundreds of thousands of games, and a lot of these games have a language option where you can change the language so you can read in a different language. So in theory, you could read a Spanish text in a game. Why Minecraft? I guess I ran into specifically the use of Minecraft in education by complete happenstance. I coached uh, for a long time, many sports, but specifically for a series of years in in Wabasha, I was coaching girls basketball. 
as the head coach. And one of my assistant coaches was a student teacher at the school. And he ended up, I, uh, he was a former basketball player. So I took him in as my assistant coach and we shared this passion also for games. So, so we were talking about, you know, video games and whatever else it might be. And he heard me talking about it passionately. And he's like, oh, you should take this course um, this graduate course at Boise State University. And I was like, what do you, you know, it was so random. I'm like, Boise State University. Right. So I looked up the course description. I looked up Dr. Haskell and I saw a few YouTube videos of him immediately intrigued by this guy. Uh, and I'm like, okay, this guy is not your normal college professor. So I went and uh, enrolled for the class and it just to take it. I mean, I'd already had my master's degree, but I wanted to just Let's see what what happens here. And right from the beginning of the courses, Dr. Haskell had us, he said, you have to attend every Wednesday evening virtually. So it was, even though it was an online course, you still had to attend. He goes, we have three hour sessions. So if you can't commit to that, you can't, you shouldn't take this course. He goes, but we're not going to meet in Moodle or any other kind of learning management system. He goes, no. He goes, we're going to meet inside of Minecraft. <laughs> and I <laughs> I had only heard of Minecraft, Mike, with my with my oldest son. He was really little and he had a uh, iPod. So there was this app and he really wanted it. He was only like six, five or six. And he said, I, I really want this Minecraft. I, mean, I think it was $4.99 at that point in time. And I'm like, that's $5. I don't want to pay it. <laughs> Every other thing is free here. So eventually I broke down. I bought the Minecraft game. I saw him playing it on this little iPod. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. It's weird. You know, that's so pixelated and ugly, you know, whatever it might be. Um, that was the experience that I had had with Minecraft previous to that. I knew it was engaging because he loved it, but I didn't know what it actually was. And I never participated in it. When we did this virtual world in Dr. Haskell's class, we were not only going in there to play the game, he already had set up all of these different lessons from all of these different content areas and grade levels that we participated as as students. And then we reflected on the lessons, talked about how we felt during the lessons, what we could do to improve it, of course, you know, those types of things. And then he was trying to spark our imaginations, which is, that's what Minecraft does of how could you use this in your classroom? He's, he's basically challenging us. And actually one of the assignments, if you want to call them that was to develop a lesson, uh, you know, inside of Minecraft that you could use in class. So as soon as I started seeing some of these things that were being done, I'm like, okay, I see a social studies lesson. I saw these math lessons that were taking place and I'm like, we can do this in Spanish. I don't know how, I don't know what we're going to do, but there's something here. And so I started just researching things. I'm like, someone has had to have done something um, it, using Minecraft in a second language classroom, in a world language classroom. And nobody had done really anything significant. There was some things that were some teachers had gone through and and labeled some things in Spanish. So, you know, the chair, la silla, la mesa, whatever it might be. And they had labeled some things inside of a house or whatever it might be. They had done kind of a labeling process. It felt like a poster kind of thing where you label things, but nothing really significant. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cheese to me. Let's do something like dynamic. Let's do something immersive. So really why Minecraft, and this is the reason why I tell people is that it is adaptable to anything that you could ever imagine. And if you hear that from other educators, this is the truth. 
it's really just the limit of your own imagination as a lesson developer, as a content creator, you know, what you can do because the game doesn't put a limit on you. Um, very many uh, other games have a specific set of rules that you have to follow and 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 those rules then basically say hey you're going from point a to point b there may be different ways of getting there but to use those things in a classroom is difficult those other people have used other games too but minecraft just is so open that you don't have to have those parameters you can decide yourself as an educator okay here's the things that I really want them to be able, my students to be able to get out of this language learning lesson. How am I going to have that happen within this dynamic virtual world? And then you can freaking make it happen. It's it's amazing. So let's talk about where your imagination took you. You talked about building immersive and engaging worlds and that you're only limited by what you decide you want to do. So why don't you share some examples of the things? So you, you've got Minecraft and you're really on fire and you're seeing this as a chance to use a video game in your work, in your profession. What are some ways that you use Minecraft specifically with your class? So many, many different aspects of Minecraft are easily accessible to anybody. Um, if you're a language teacher, you can decide basically, and a lot of people do decide immediately to what are they going to do as far as the modes. So I think that was the first thing that I had to decide. Am I going to use creative mode where you basically have access to all of the blocks in the game and all of the things to be able to build and create things? Or are we going to use survival mode where you have to basically earn all of the things and survive in a world and interact and and then also then be able to create and do some different things there. So this is the first things you have to go ahead and decide. And really that decision itself is so awesome. As it, it gives you so much flexibility in the variation of the lessons that you end up presenting. I used both modes. I started off with creative mode and I basically recommend that teachers do that. Um, it really is very similar as some people describe Minecraft sometimes as like Legos. Um, I think it's very similar to a lesson as far as inside a Spanish class where you have a three-dimensional builder and, and your imagination is the only limit. That is kind of what Minecraft is. So creative mode would be great for a one-day project, a one-day thing that you were demonstrating your knowledge. An option on a a choice board where it says, hey, here's some different options. One of them is Minecraft in creative mode, you create, etc. You demonstrate your knowledge this way. Um, and then you can then, I believe, start venturing into um, survival mode where you have immersive lessons that can take place over a series of time. And so that's the kind of the first decision that you make. Other things that are inside of Minecraft that are already easily accessible and easy to use for both the teacher and the students are things like signs. Um, there's these boards that are bigger. Um, and basically what they do is they can either label specific things, give directions, which are fantastic. Um, you can even put links within them to be able to pop out to a Google Doc or a, a Microsoft Word document, whatever it might be, or a YouTube video 
for more instructions on specific things, maybe even some language learning specific things like so that they can listen in on something um, and then do some actions within the game, all easily uh, uh, doable inside of the game. So within uh, science boards, posters, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, one of my good friends and, and a Minecraft uh, extraordinaire, his name is Garrett Zimmer, he taught me about on the student side, as far as them creating, not only can they create, but they can reflect on their knowledge using basically a little writing utensil. It, the writing utensil inside of Minecraft for the students is this thing, this book and quill. So it's a way for them to express themselves, like be able to write some ideas down and put it inside of these little books. But Minecraft Education Edition came out with this even more enhanced book and quill, I want to call it, which they called a portfolio. So now the students could basically take that book and quote and put it into, you know, our, our uh, century and add pictures of them yeah. in game along with a story, a narrative of their knowledge or reflections or whatever it might be, all downloadable, all with the ability to be able to submit them, you know, within whatever it is that you need to submit them to show and demonstrate learning. Yeah, you can ex you can export them as a PDF and then put them right onto your learning management system. It's it's absolutely incredible. And that type of thing, I never had even thought of that side. Really, I had students previously experiencing doing things inside of Minecraft and then doing their reflections, et cetera, recordings outside of that. Mm. All being able to do that within the game, fantastic. Just gives you more options. And then the biggest thing that I tell people that you really need to learn about and and really delve into, if you are gonna get into Minecraft, is the use of the NPCs. Um, even back in the days uh, of the original Minecraft, there was always some mods that people had created, some modifications to the game with oh, an ability to mess with the non-playable characters, to customize them, to uh, make them uh, have interactions, uh, to make them fill specific roles. And, and Minecraft Education Edition did that took on those things and then created basically an ability to be able to have interactions with these characters that you build in the game. Now, you're probably asking like, why does that even matter, Glenn? Well, if you think about it this way, a, a true game, an interactive game, happens with characters that are within the game itself. It's not just you and your friends that are in there, but there's these other characters that are in there. And those characters in, in a language classroom can speak the second language, can give specific directions in the second language, can can drive the narrative, whatever it might be. Um, and they are fantastic. They're actually, once you get used to basically the interface as far as how to use them, they're very easy to use. You can make them do so many amazing things as far as within the interactions that take place between the player and the NPC. And you can... Again, it's only the limitations of your of your mind and your your way of designing a lesson that are the limits to it. Um, so, highly recommend using the NPCs first of all, just as uh, instead of using a sign, you know, as a direction sure. giver. But then later on, as a way to be able to have interactive discussion, basically have these interactions with the students, and then give them a series of choices and and narrative uh, to be able to do other things. It's awesome. So you have books and quill, you have portfolios, you have signs and boards and posters. And 
how do you put all that together into a lesson and what kind of lessons were you using all of those tools to build for your students? So we started off, and I mean, to be super honest with you, in that first year that I used Minecraft in Spanish classroom, many of those lessons were duds. <laughs> they, they were, they, the kids enjoyed them. I don't want to say that they didn't enjoy them, but I wasn't happy with them, with the outcomes that I was getting, because again, I, I didn't know... I didn't know how to fully use the potential of Minecraft. I was actually limited to my own experiences as a teacher. And I was trying to pigeonhole things that I did in a 2D environment into Minecraft. Sure. And actually that happens a lot. And, it, and it's not that it's wrong. Um, and let me describe some of those things to you. Basically, instead of creating a poster, students were creating a three-dimensional poster inside of Minecraft. That's not that that's wrong. It just felt like... I can do so much more. So for example, I had students um, create parts of a city inside of Minecraft. And before in the past, they were creating these uh, posters together, you know, kind of a, on, a, on a poster board. And now they created it inside of Minecraft. And I had them, for example, record a screencast where they flew through their world and then talked about their city. Like I live in a city that's uh, very large. It's at the corner of blah, blah, blah. You know, they're speaking in Spanish, describing what they're seeing, you know, kind of that thing. I took that to things like, um, you know, a, a thematic unit about homes and where students were describing a, a home to a potential um, person that was going to buy, purchase homes. And they were basically the, the salesperson, the real estate agent <laughs> and describing these homes. But now these homes and all of these things were already pre-built because many of the worlds inside of Minecraft have already been created by these amazing builders and you can just use them as far as use them for your own purposes. And in my case, I had the city that someone else had built. We brought it in. The students couldn't actually interact with the city except move around in it. And then they basically did these, uh, which is fits perfectly with this time, these virtual videos for a potential uh, client that didn't live in that city. So they were doing giving these virtual tours. That's awesome. And, and so they described the home to them and, and it, it seemed like, okay, that's a, that's a way to be able to go ahead and use this. And then I was like, okay, there's, I'm limiting myself to the things that I've done in a kind of a way inside of class in a two dimensional environment or in a real environment. Um, what can't I do as far as in, in class? And so I had seen some other people doing things that had to do with role-playing games. And I always was a big fan of role-playing games like Zelda or all kinds of different things. Fantasy Star was one of my favorite role-playing games where you basically are interacting with a character and then you need to do something. There was missions to do, some quests to take on and so on and so forth. And so I gave my idea to some of my students as far as like, wouldn't it be cool if we had like this world that we did for like a month inside of Minecraft? And that's all we did and the world was a, a place where each day in class, you just came into class and everybody already took on that role themselves, you know, but also within the virtual environment that they were only going to speak in Spanish. And we had to do all of these things, things we couldn't do in the real world, fight monsters and, and work together towards, you know, uh, the construction of whatever might be, survive basically. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were like really into it. These were kids that were like, okay. And so a lot of, I, I collected a group of students, I got a group of students and we uh, at lunchtime started creating a world 
and we created it in chunks and we we called it el mundo de leyendas or the world of legends that was our name for oh it and and we decided hey we're going to create different pieces of this world and different things that are the challenges for it and then mr Irvin can do the rest of the stuff as far as filling in the blanks of what do you need to do? How do you communicate? You know, all those types of things. But the golden rule was every communication must take place in the Spanish language. So we built basically a massively multiplayer role-playing game, they call them, right? That's awesome. Yeah. And so we we created many parts of it, kind of the skeleton pieces of it. Then I started putting together the series of lessons that would take place over basically a six or seven week period. And I wanted to make sure that it was authentic and that the... The learning was scaffolded like you would do as far as in class. And the students were immersed in the language, but they had a way to demonstrate their knowledge. Um, and so it ended up being one of the best, most amazing ideas that I, I could have ever come up with. And then the students actually helped me out as far as the development of it. And each week basically was a different, let's call it a different mission, a different quest. And the kids were excited for the next week to come up to so a different part of the world would actually open up. That's a good way of describing it if, if you're in a, if you've played video games before, but it wouldn't open up before that next week. So there were certain things you had to do, um, grow your characters, you had interacted with NPCs, you were able to attain all kinds of different uh, items that you normally couldn't attain as far as within normal games. So that helped the students that were into that kind of stuff. But number one, we just had kids in class and they were speaking Spanish mm -hmm. the whole entire time. And without, without that part of where it felt forced, they were just, they were like just doing it because it felt like fun and like interesting and something new. And so that took place, like I said, over a seven week period, but half of my students decided that they were not going to, uh, that they were going to do the traditional, uh, parts, which it, those things were bad, but it afforded me the ability to be able to go ahead and, and have a case study <laughs> as far as I had this group that was doing what they normal, we normally had done. And with the same content, I was still presenting basically this, those materials inside of an immersive world inside of Minecraft. And so I had a, an ability to basically be able to do a case study within uh, my Spanish classes of how effective is this? I didn't know at the time, to be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't do it on purpose, uh, but I did want to make sure that you didn't have to do it. You didn't have to participate because um, that's kind of an important part too, as far as in my opinion, it, you you have to give options to your students and and then let them uh, delve into it. And and then I think a lot of kids will see kind of the fun that their classmates are having, the learning that's taking place, and then they may want to go ahead and join in. Um, so this Mundo de Allendas was basically a giant project that uh, ended up being very successful. I used it over a series of years. Um, until basically I took on this new role. So every single year we we did that as basically our last quarter of learning, a nine-week period we ended up extending it to of being immersed in a Minecraft world. And all the students talked about it too. So, so the next incoming class, as soon as they came into class, the first days, they were like, what are we doing that Minecraft <laughs> thing? And I'm like, that is, relax. That <laughs> happens after a little while. And really what I needed them to do is First of all, I didn't want to start it with that because I needed them to get some background 
some ability to basically communicate even at a very raw level. They needed to be able to have those communications in the Spanish language, uh, though it was scaffolded, and, and but without those barriers. So we kind of needed to build up to that point. Mm -hmm. And we did each year, and it was fantastic. I bet you had a lot of kids wanting to take Spanish. Yes. <laughs> so at a school like this, so at a, you know, it was a very small school, 50 students per class. Um, it was very important as a elective, as an elective class to make sure that you had the students want to enroll in your class. Uh, some people don't, you know, at bigger schools don't understand that concept, but basically it's this. If students don't want to take your class, they're not passionate. Not only is it bad, you know, as far as like an ego thing, it's bad for your job. Because <laughs> if you don't have enough students enrolled in, as far as in your classes, the administration can look at it and go like, well, we really, maybe we shouldn't have this, you know, elective as a, a thing. We should maybe look in a different direction so students are passionate about X, Y, and Z. So it's kind of a sell job. at a, And many small school uh, world language teachers know what I'm talking about. They're the singleton. They're the only teacher that does it, maybe even K through 12. Super important to create an engaging, dynamic environment. Sure. And this was one more aspect that I could add to <laughs> to the thing where people were talking about it. Yes. So you, you were doing Spanish and they were speaking Spanish, but you were talking about things like the economy or or, you know, civics and, and all of this stuff. There's a, an amazing power in Minecraft to be able to teach something and almost seamlessly, like magic, be able to teach all of these other concepts at the same time. Yeah, you could do that without having to try super hard to do that. Right. One of the things about uh, yeah that you just described is basically the the part about Minecraft that is amazing is that it is cross-curricular as far as uh, different math concepts, different, uh, like you just talked about, civics, whereby students had developed the rules that we were all going to abide by and then kind of like how we we were going to uphold those rules um, and, and many other types of concepts, but without having to think super hard about how we were going to embed those, like how are we going to combine those things? That part was easy. Um, the, the part that really was the hardest part, and that's the really anybody listening to this, is to get out of your own way as an educator, because we put limits on ourselves many, many times on things that are possible or impossible as far as lesson development. Mm -hmm. There is no limits to the possibilities inside of Minecraft. And that's hard for us to imagine that there's that, they're like, yeah, right, Glenn. No, I'm serious. It's really our own imagination that's limiting it. And so sometimes it's best to go look at YouTube videos of things that are not Spanish related or world language related. Just go look at what are some of the things that are happening on YouTube or Twitch. And the things that content creators are doing with this amazing game and then go, hmm, that can actually be done. Hmm. How can I do that now as far as in my classroom or how can I apply those things and, and make them happen and let my students go ahead and do some of these things? So senior Irvin's Spanish class was super popular Tons of kids flocking to play Minecraft and learn Spanish in your class. 
Um, let's talk about the outcomes. Let's talk about the results. Um, I'm sure you have some great stories of, uh, you know, students and, and their outcomes and their experiences being in your class. Maybe share some of those. So the first thing that the initial part, the reason why I wanted to even do this was about student engagement. Yeah. And really what the way that I could measure that is the completion of what we would call assignments. You know, um, in my classes, we call them quests, but they're assignments. They're things that you need to do as a student and complete to demonstrate your knowledge. And the student engagement uh, within these Minecraft um, lessons was not only great, it was phenomenal. It was 100% completion rate of the assignments. And the reason why that happened was because my students were like passionate about it. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a traditional assignment. It felt like something exciting and fun and engaging and something that I wanted to participate in. It's the things that we always strive for as an educator. like, I don't want it to feel like a grind like work. I want it to feel like fun and engaging and something that I really am passionate about. Um, traditional assignments in my class, it wasn't bad as far as the number of students that turned in assignments. That was a little bit over 70%. And so I was tracking that, that kind of a comparison, a side-by-side -side comparison of that. Um, as far as specifics of growth of language, I wanted to make sure I measured that too. And I had that 90% of my students that participated in these game-based learning units consistently scored at least one level higher. We have this uh, this uh, indicator called the Actful Performance Descriptor for Language Learners. And basically, it, let's just, for our audience here, we will describe it as a, a one through five scale, but really it's a bunch of different levels between it. So there's like a novice, but there's like a novice low, a novice mid and a novice high, and, and so on. It goes uh, intermediate and advanced and so on and so forth. These students were performing at an indicator at least one level above their peers who were just doing traditional assignments. And when someone asked me, okay, well, how do you take account for that? You know, how did that actually occur? And I say, it was easy to see because they were completely engaged and immersed for the entire class period in the Spanish language, practicing it the entire time. In a traditional classroom, very few people can say that my students are either listening, speaking, uh, reading, writing, whatever it might be as far as in the second language, completely immersed during that entire class period. That just, it just seems impractical, like nah, it's not possible. But it, with this, it was possible and it was happening because students were like, they were just playing. You know, they were, it was basically what it was, we were just role playing. Um, and then the other part that was important for me was students that were doing these game-based learning units. So they were participating in these Minecraft uh, lessons. They were more likely to take another year of Spanish. So that was super important for enrollment as far as in my classes. It was important for students that were taking, for example, Spanish three level and then taking college level Spanish as far as in my classes, which we offered uh, uh, classes that you could take. Uh, for credit at the university level. And we wanted to make sure we had as many students participate in that as possible. And so 80% of the students who took a game-based learning unit took the next year, the next level of Spanish, whether it was Spanish one to two or two to three or that advanced level Spanish class. So 
it really had great results, both in the speaking of the language, the engagement, and then the willingness for the students to go ahead and continue their language learning adventure. So, and many of my students ended up saying, hey, you know what? I actually want to continue to learn Spanish. So they continued to go ahead and do something at the university level. Whether or not that was going to be a major or minor, it doesn't really matter, but you're like passionate about the language now. It's not just about Minecraft or whatever it might be. It's like, I'm passionate about learning this specific language and I want to continue to immerse myself in it. And really that's the goal of any language teacher. Amazing. Well, those are real results, people. That was uh, full classes, engaged students, um, amazing results, all using Minecraft. Uh, it doesn't really get much better than that. Glenn Irvin, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Join the Minecraft Education Challenge. This virtual build challenge invites students around the world to learn about issues related to sustainability and inclusion, then design solutions with Minecraft Education Edition. You can create your own prompt that invites students to address a local issue impacting your school, community, or region. This could be something like designing a more accessible version of your classroom in Minecraft. Think about people with different learning styles and disabilities, so the space is a safe and inspiring environment for everyone to be healthy. Or build a more sustainable version of your school in Minecraft. Consider a holistic definition of sustainability, which may involve rethinking energy systems, recycling, transportation, and how nature plays a role. Share progress and stories of your challenge experience via Twitter and Facebook, and tag us using our Twitter handle, at PlaycraftLearn, and the hashtag, Minecraft Challenge, and then post your results on the Minecraft Challenge Flipgrid page. We've added a link to that page in the show notes. We're so excited to see what you build. Thanks for listening to the Minecraft Education Edition podcast. My name is Mike Washburn. This podcast is produced by Participate, where the world learns together. Find out more at participate.com. You want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at education.minecraft.net. Connect with Minecraft Education Edition on Twitter at PlaycraftLearn. You can connect with me directly at Mr. Washburn. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost, and this helps others to discover the show. Thanks for listening, stay awesome, and we'll see you soon.